go to thecognitiverampage.com. Feel free to contribute, donate, keep fueling the change, whatever it is that you guys can do to help continue to allow this to happen. None of this would happen without you and your love and your support and, of course, your contributions. Love you. The Cognitive Rampage, a scientific approach to self-discovery, change, and life optimization, is now available on Amazon. What I do in the book is I fuse the latest research from the cognitive, behavioral, social, environmental, and biological sciences. It's not just motivational fluff and wordplay. Now, I do talk about my own story, so there's some kind of inspiration in there, but I'm not just spinning words and hyping you up with motivational fluff. Whether you need a life change, simply enjoy self-exploration and optimization, want to discover new hidden passions, or reduce the life-altering effects of toil, anxiety, depression, all of those issues, this book is for you. This book is not a cookie-cutter method of steps to follow. You'll customize the scientific framework with your own personal beliefs to build your authentic change. That way you assimilate it faster and quicker. It's not just copying my beliefs and telling you step one, step two. These will come from your beliefs as how you extend and build the foundation upon this framework. You'll use this framework throughout your whole life, through every change, and through every age. These are not empty words of motivational spin. This book is an experience. The Cognitive Rampage is based in science and is built from your beliefs. It's a path to help you unleash your desired change. You can apply this method on your own with no harmful side effects. Welcome to the Cognitive Rampage Podcast. Hope we're taking care of you. I guess today is my Cognitive Rampage if I'm still alive, right? And I'm living it. Yeah. Can't believe I'm actually even going live at this point. Some advice I was given a not to, but I couldn't help it. To put you in the mind frame of where I'm sitting tonight, I want you to imagine the monster inside that you imagined when you were a kid, the one that would get you. Did you imagine that? But the same one that showed you probably the most beautiful things in life that have allowed you to actually experience what life may be. And when I reference that, I mean nature, woods, music. But at the same time, experiencing a fast-forward life, a interconnectedness with this, well, what we call person. That's my father. And to be honest, tomorrow we're going to go live on the podcast, my father. And if you've read my book, well, then you would understand a relationship there. And it's difficult really to bring him on the mic, if you will, in my world, as I like to reference it. But for so long, I lived in, well, his world. And that monster I told you to imagine sometimes can will change shape that monster once in our definition can change and be that fuel that moves us to be someone else in a different light in a different experience it can be that example of what not to do even well as i speak to you live here now <laughs> my father once referenced to and seen now sleeps in the back bedroom of well, my home that i share with patricia and it's an odd thing. And tonight we shared music, shared memories, some distorted, some blown up to feed the things that we need to in that moment, that energy that maybe you felt, right, when you sit with that person of your family, maybe once you've had a discrepancy with or something that was so impactful in your life that you had to write about it. But as you share through music and things that he showed me, there's different energy, different environment. And now that sleeps in my second bedroom. So I came live tonight and we shared a great dinner, good wine, beautiful conversation. And, you know, I've had so many podcasts. I talk about anger and 
hurt and sadness and those and i wrote about it in depth about those that hurt us right that the only way that we can find a path to the light from that is by seeking empathy right and finding that understanding that through empathy we find indifference and through that indifference we can seek apathy well i think apathy then turns us too cold and i think maybe the understanding that's where i came in is trying to understand that father of mine rests referenced as that monster. But as I got to know him, as you probably will get to know him a lot more on the podcast tomorrow, there's things that have come to light in our interaction of life, right? That have awoken me to certain understandings, questions, things that I had over a lifetime. But before we walk into personal specific issues, imagine for a moment that we share in this moment tonight, minutes, moment, whether this podcast is listened to later or now live that we share an interactive moment on whatever technology scale that may be, whether it's through internet and YouTube and podcasts and iTunes and things that you listen to, or maybe the book that you read that I wrote or other things. But at this point, at this moment in time, in this life now, we exist here and now as we rotate in this spinning amazing experience that we call earth rotating around the sun at god knows what kind of speed as we exist here and now that one time you and i both know as we listen here infinitely and we know will end and come to the extinguish of the consciousness as we know it but beyond that we hope for we yearn for and still that almost rips away the moments that we live in the now here but we share it here in some odd way through technology through a audio connection i share my life with yours and we experience this now in this moment this connection and i don't care the abstract moment that you may see it whether it's internet or some sort of technology connection i don't care what generation you adapt to but still here and now we connect we find a moment to share and perhaps you can find some place in your life that resembles or reflects some place that i'm in now I thought I would share that. And one of the things that I love most about what I've put on for 189 episodes is the fact I have been raw, authentic, and myself. And if you watch any videos that I do on social media, you would know that I talk to myself. And I am living this human experience, if you will, well, transparently. And I share that. And at this moment, this night, for some reason, I felt the need to extend that experience with you. And as we rotate on this thing that we call earth spinning in space at god knows what sort of miles an hour trying to define meaning and assign purpose to things that we know in time will be lost and be fossils maybe to be discovered if we record them on things like technology and internet or write them down we hope right we beg for the legacy of our existence to stretch on beyond the existence of man but we know that doesn't happen, but yet we still record those and etch them in stone, hoping that then somehow someone picks up our message in the bottle and, well, here's our competence of this experience, our knowledge, our reflection. So I share it with you. So I take that time to say, this is my life. I wrote that in the book. I share that with you now. I come with you raw. And so when I opened with the question, I want you to imagine the monster. Because for me, as I wrote, that was that. For years of my life, I imagined as a child. And the whole light would come on. My life would be, well, it end. And it would be terrifying. But to skip through that, as I look back now, that I'm at least grateful for what, well, I referenced earlier with this so-called monster, if you will, showed me, showed me almost the keys to life. And if you will, how do you then hate the person that abused you, but yet showed you the keys to life, thus directly and indirectly in so many ways on what life is? I mentioned music and I mentioned nature and the father of mine that you will hear on the podcast tomorrow is the one that showed me how to spear a fish with a Hawaiian sling. I'm not talking about a spear gun. I'm talking about hitting it with a sling and grabbing that fish, taking it home, cleaning it. When I was a boy, I would shoot squirrels and take them back. He showed me how to clean them and eat them. He showed me the things about nature, the things you may reference as being Southern or country or backwards. But these are the things now you see popular on social media. Find nature and find your way. Get back, eat organically in touch, eat with what rotates with what nature is. And well, this is how I was raised, despite what it was at the house that this monster showed me, is he showed me these things. 
how to operate in nature, how to become one with that, how to almost humble yourselves as being okay with being third on the food chain as you search out food for yourself and your family. It's a different world. But as we exist in this moment, this rotation, the airwaves we share, the vibrations, this moment, this now is what exists in my house, is at least what my perception perceives as now is almost a reckoning, but not a reckoning of like the archangels returning and the extinguishing of something dark, but yet almost a defense of showing you that things are not what they seem. And if you know that the perception of your own life is what you create, then maybe what I wrote down and learned that maybe empathy truly is the only way to escape the darkness that was poured upon us, perhaps indirectly and not purposefully. And that's why I used to find myself lost as the darkness that fell on my own life was not given to me directly. It was given to me indirectly at the same time I was being fed the realness of life. And this misinterpretation, this false diagnosis, this mishap of overdose of the indirect is where I found myself lost perhaps yourself too, is when what hurts us most also is what teaches us most. And that transformation, that acceptance of, well, this moment now of what it was and being able to move past that and find the empathy that finds you to the path of the person that lived a life that you may not be able to even comprehend the behaviors that came from that, but yet still it was shared with you. As we share these moments on the airwaves of now, of the conversations you share tomorrow, each one of those moments are, are entwined. And whether they live on, we don't know, or whether they echo and reverb into the reflections of what our next life or the life before us was or were or will be, that moment that is still shared, it's still a sound in your beat of what your life existence is in that moment and whether it's shared in some filter of negativity or filter of growth or food or fuel or however you interpret that experience at that moment that is still something to be cherished and well i can't ignore those moments that well my father not the monster showed me nature music what it meant to play something loud and not give a fuck what it meant to be free as one could be in a society of social construct that constrains a man and a woman's spirit to some finite existence by acquisition, defined by the measures of achievements, <laughs> not by the measures of one's soul or character. And yet we are judged by this. And yet we forge our dreams into existence, finding and thinking and believing in some in-depth way that if we just once create this brand into the existence of our legacy, then, well, we will be remembered. And this is such a false hope that we run on, but yet it is the fuel that's necessary to continue and move you forward into any existence. So for me, the surrealness, to be honest, the fact that I'm 36 years old, I'm still the fuck alive for one. It's still something I'm still trying to come to grips with. I never really experienced it, honestly. And those that maybe filter the hurt in your life, so the pain, perhaps maybe you can find a way to find it to be the fuel to look past and to reconnect. Because when I look in my father's eyes now, I promise you, I don't see the monster. I see a human being, a man, a soul, an existence, someone that is trying to find the beauty in the aftermath of the ways that we all eventually leave behind in the wake of our human experience. And this man has come to grips with those things and has done his best to try to live through those. And the more he shared personally about his life and his experience, the more I could understand. And as you'll probably hear on the podcast tomorrow, as my father graces the mic, which I promise you I've interviewed, well, let's just say the people that move me cerebrally and I haven't quite shaken is what tomorrow may bring in that interview and in that conversation. But at most part, at least hopefully the reverb or the echo that to move past the hurt or pain or something, even if it's just to have a moment, well, then it becomes worth it. I would tell it to you because if I kept the filter and the narrative that I told that 
was written in the book, well, then perhaps this night would never happen, but I could look at my father and that monster was not there. I could see the hurt, the pain, the existence. I could find the empathy that could lead me to the sympathy to I'll be indifferent about his behavior for so many years. And then to reconnect as I did this evening for years and years of my life, I have not. And then to actually connect where he came here and he stayed at my house and well, ate a meal that I cooked and shared stories and music and time. Shit. That's just so we're on real right now. My heart's racing like fucking crazy. I may pass out on the mic, but if I do, I urge you to only understand that pain is some sort of response, whether we see that physiologically or mentally, but whatever you deem or define as the pain, perhaps may be some response just reminding you that the moment that you live in now does not have to be finite, and the narrative and the story that you told does not have to be concrete, and you can move beyond that with just some empathy, some understanding, and you don't have to come to a point where I say, I wouldn't get it, but that's the indifference, right? That if you can at least see life through the eyes, and when I see life through the eyes of my father, well, this is the point where I want to tell you it's personal. I wouldn't put it on the mic, but what I see is somebody that lived life, to be honest. Somebody that gave it a fucking shot. Whether they keep an image or paint something, there's a rawness there that at least you would see from some gladiator at the end of this life's battle, right? That you'd see at the end. I used to think to myself, said, you know, as long as I could die and I'm on my deathbed, I said, yeah, I felt that. I experienced that. I went through that. My heart was broken. I felt joy and pain. I experienced this actual human experience. Well, then fine, wrap me up and well, put me down. And so when I look at my father, I almost see that. I see somebody that, really has lived a life in a well the best way they could, right? Because who walks into this life really saying, hey, this is how I'm going to paint it and live it at the end of it, right? But there's a genuineness that you see, right? When you connect eyes with somebody and you share music, when you share food, when you share a drink, when you share a conversation, there's a rawness there, an authenticity there that you can, I don't know, sniff out. And I see a genuineness there. And that that reconnectness that I, I don't know, you could put a word to it, uh, some ness, but (laughs) for me, it was genuine. You know, we've reached out before, him him and I. We've been through this before. I reached out when my niece was born and tried to patch it up. And, well, it didn't work out so well. And we tried. We hit waves, right, and acceptance and understanding. But over the years, it's been difficult. And over the last year or two, we've really kind of come into something that's honest, something that's raw. And I see that. And as a man myself, at fucking 36 years old, forgetting how old I really am, I look at a man who, well, genuinely gives a fuck. And through that, I can see a pattern we all may face, that trial, that tribulation, right, where times are good and you don't think they'll ever end. And certain songs we were singing out loud tonight together, but in the end, right, we're all just spinning on this earth, like I said in the beginning of this. We share moments and we're trying with social constructs and influence. We're just trying to find where our peace somehow fits in the Tetris game of life, hoping we don't wreck the whole game for everybody, trying to find a place where we fit in, trying to recollect and answer questions and wonder why things don't match like this or look like this. But for the most part, at least for now, fuck, we can be here, right? We can have this moment. We can, we can share it. I mean, no one gets to choose where you're born, what your last name is. I mean, you're assigned these things. At birth, you don't get to choose whether it's over there, over here, up there, or down here. You almost inherit these things. Like, it's your set traits before you enter the game of the human experience, right? 
So we don't get to choose, right? So they tell us, be blessed, enjoy the moment. And maybe that's what I'm telling you now. Maybe we look at life too much about what it's supposed to be or what it should be. And we enforce that so much that we honestly forget that the pain that we feel is really a part of the journey that we share with ourselves, with those that actually hurt us. And we do hurting too. You know, you're that person too in somebody's life that did that fucked up shit. You're like, fuck. <laughs> so why do we hold it over the head of others that perhaps really are just trying to get by in this neurotic tunnel of this existence of this 4D animation project that's been laid before us? But it's still a beautiful thing. And that kaleidoscope of life is the beautiful thing. When you can actually step back and ponder as a life scientist, if you will, and say, man, look at that. The development of it, the putting together of it, the pieces. I love to listen to the great minds expand on what they discovered in their research of understanding, of computing together what this existence may mean, but yet still we all somehow are able to turn the blinders off when we listen to what we listen to to understand that no one knows it's a perception that no one has come back no one has spoke over that we have only seen other sides of the dimensions of the warps that we've fallen into things that we call emotions that we call our consciousness of life and our subconscious that is revealed the labels that are given upon our own goddamn experience or something that are given to us and fed to us but yet we are still here and whatever that is It's so beautiful. Whatever yours is, it's still beautiful. And without the pain that comes with it, well, then fucking truthfully, I don't want to hear your story, to be honest. It's pretty fucking lame. That, you know, if you're on your deathbed, you want to say, I experienced all of this. And I think the only way that we can move past it or allowed to experience more of it if we allow those things that do create the pain, that do infect our own being, but then allow that to then crop something else, a new harvest, a new experience, a new taste, a new scent. If we can allow that to evolve into something else, I think that is the key then to really soaking up the full experience of this human experience, this ideal, the label, the umbrella, the life that we have. But remember, you were born here solo that you don't remember and you will leave fucking here so low we hope there's afterlife right we hope we can hang the social connection there's so many guesses and religions defining what happens after but no one really fucking knows so any moment that we share now and any moment that you shared with someone that hurt you well it's still a part of your epic movie it's still a part of your piece Perhaps it's repeated. Perhaps you have another chance. But either way, the pain, the joy, the ups, the downs, whoever it is, they all have a character, a part, a play, an emotional corner in your life. And the power that you give that is on you in this experience. And, well, if you entertain the pain, well, then perhaps that pain will thus then host the rest of your existence here. But unless you're willing to entertain that pain as being something that's part of your human experience and fold it with the idea that, well, I can forgive and move because all I know is, well, this existence. And if you can accept that pain and find the empathy to find your way to sympathy to maybe not get lost in indifference, but find a way to then accept that apathy is not what you really look for, but understanding the idea that, we all fuck up. We all hurt someone and maybe someone does or doesn't deserve it, but they still again are a cord in what your music is and what your song is, what your sonnet is, what's repeated, right? Or what isn't repeated, but whatever is played, the pain is not that bad when measured with the joy that you're given at the same time and being able to exist in the moment i think equally with the pain and the joy is what we all seek right is to smile in the times of pain and joy to experience this life existence to be able to sit back and say we did our best at this whatever our best at this is
The beautiful part is we still share that whatever this is, you, whether you're in another country, in another place, another state, or you sit in front of me like Patricia does now, it's still an experience that we share in pain, in love, and joy. And at the end of this, all I know is for the most part it's over and we get to just kind of hope our experiences echo in some sort of eternity and some AI fantasy of immortality. But I think we get lost in these illusions and a hopefulness, some delusions of grandeur, of existence, of something being stronger than what life actually is, this finite moment that we try to assign meaning to to define it as, well, our life. But this is our lives and our moment. And the pain, the people, all of those that come with it, well, that is the orchestra that does make your symphony of this existence. And there are no supposed tos of this existence. There are no chords you're supposed to hit, no riffs you can miss. There are no ways that you can iron this out to where it is, well, the story you want to tell. But it is your story your pain, your joy, your moments, your existence, your rawness. And for some fucking reason, we can all share it together. And you can hear mine probably and feel mine. And for some reason, I can feel yours. But fuck, one day this does stop existing. The flame does ignite and we go away as far as we know. So for now, when I tell you to think about your pain or those that have made caused it, I will also remind you that they are what made you, what defined you, the foundation, the transformers to your epic adventure of what you are. So the appreciation for the pain is necessary in my opinion because through that you can find genuine growth and acceptance of what, well, your epic tale is. And I seriously urge you to find the ones that even inflicted the pain that you think has defined you when you can question that and find, well, empathy through the eyes of their existence here. Then maybe you can find appreciation for the influence they've had on your life over so many years. But I urge you to take that step, though. I urge you to look at the pain differently, to reconstruct, to move the pieces around the board in some irrational way, to not hunt the logic or the definitions influenced by supposed to's and social constructs of what it is or what was taught, that maybe what you weren't taught indirectly somehow was a gift and showed you, well, what needed to be taught that you can find the silver lining in just about anything that life throws you. And I promise you, nothing's going to, well, hit as hard as life does. But it is the lesson. It is what we learn through the painful moments, the joyful ones in turn. There's a time for everything, right? It's been written, seasoned in scriptures. We still all yearn for answers to say, please tell me which way should I turn? Just be, man. Just just be in this moment, this existence, whatever it is. Don't control it. Don't stop it. Don't try to end it. Don't try to enhance it or optimize it the way you're sold and the way you're told to do it. Just be in it. That too, in some way, is a gift to at least experience that. I think if we can let go of the controls of whatever we choose to think that creates our feeling of our experience, well, that is the roller coaster of our own perception of our own lives. I just think it's cool that we can share it live on air like this in a whole bunch of different countries. <laughs> That's just, just cool. But I always find it funny, right, that you wind up where you couldn't imagine. So I guess I'd tell you, be careful what you imagine where you'll wind up. Because wherever you're at now, you probably said, I couldn't imagine me being here now. So whatever you imagine now, wherever you'll be then, well, then more than likely it's not going to be that. So be careful what you imagine what you'll be then. That appreciation of what is now, then may help soak it in.
But visit those things, those painful moments, those things that have told you you're supposed to be this or you're supposed to do this. Or someone was supposed to be like this. Because I think until you can face those things, there's so many doors that you don't even know are able to be open when you're standing clouded behind some sort of apprehension, some sort of pain, some resistance. I think we can move beyond that. We can accept that, absorb that into what our experience is and see through those eyes and those life experiences. And it doesn't become so foreign to our own experience. I don't know. Through the rambling and live airs that we share here, I think this shit is beautiful and it's kind of fun. But I promise you, I never imagined myself in a million years sitting here. (laughs) I can promise you that. So the fact is, no matter what you imagined and how bad you think it is, there's still hope in that vision. That's something that can come true, I promise. Because like I said, in a million years, I never imagined myself sitting here. So wherever you're at now, maybe in a million years, you never imagined yourself sitting there. What's cool is in a few years, you could be somewhere totally different. Somewhere you don't even know where. And the fact, if you think you've imagined where you might be, if this doesn't go that way, well, you've imagined it more than likely, well, you won't be there. That's the cool part about life, right? So be careful what you imagine because you may manifest that into some sort of reality, some sort of destiny, some sort of location. You may forget where you're at now is really just a part of the journey, a part of the poem, a part of the song, and a part of the song now, a part of what you do now. Forget the legacy you're trying to leave something behind and forget about building it up or some big neon sign. Forget the legacy or leaving some poetry or something to remind. Because that's the shit, that's the anchor, that's the shit that'll hold you and will make you miss life and get you left behind. Pay attention to your present, your now. Focus, breathe, it's okay, in and out now. You're good. The pain is the beauty that blossoms into the brightness, the light that shines, that's you. That's the realness. That's the authenticness that changes every day with some sort of benevolence, but still I stay Maleficent. (laughs) With the laughter of this human experience, I try to expand into what I don't know with the understanding of some theoretical definition of what I do know. Well, that's an irrational concept from the beginning. The entwined to try to say the blurry is really clear and the clear is really blurry. But for a moment, we can sit now, pause, and just chill. Don't be in a hurry. Life will evolve as it's supposed to. This universe, well, you can say it loves you, but I promise you it will fuck you. And if you judge it and you allow it to, well, then it will shape you. It will define you. Your environments, it will infect you. You must be the light, the thing that shines, but radiates, but change the environments around you. Because I promise you, if you're weak, dude, the environments will eat you. But if we can focus on our proximities, our ranges, those around us, dude, maybe we can make some real changes, some universal things, not just spouting off political points, bro. Something that's real. But for now, we can still keep the social constructs alive, the ideas of citizens and freedom and voting and democracy, right? That's cute and all, but for the most part, if nature wants to, well, we'll all depart here, right? Though for me, in the humbleness, I try to sit. That I know that the more cerebral I get, the more dumber I get. (laughs) And if you think you're smarter than most, well, then, frankly, you don't get it. (laughs) It may be blissful, and the not knowing is where we were supposed to be. Maybe the understanding of Adam and Eve is too well logical for most to perceive. That maybe it's a metaphor for us to just take in and breathe and say, fuck, we want to know. You want to know? Fuck, now deal with this, G. That knowing, that wanting to understand, then you understand if you've thirsted that unquenching thirst of knowledge and understanding, well, then man then runs its limits, doesn't it, man? That the more you know, you realize the more you don't know that perhaps some metaphoric thing written down about 10,000, 500 years ago was really just telling us that, hey, man, take it slow. What you think you know is really, well, what you don't know. And that arrogance is what will blind you in the end, though. 
But for a moment, just pause and be kind. Give somebody a helping hand. Lend them a dime. As as gangsters say, please don't drop a dime. But perhaps we get it so confused with the details and the steps of what to do that we find ourselves, well, say fucking it. We just run aloof. We run amok and say, fuck this shit. There's too much stuff. It's too confusing. I can't understand it all. Science says this, and these definitions of our experience is supposed to be this. And I've been proven to theoretical and philosophical definitions that my experience is really just this. Well, I promise you, nobody really knows shit. They talk about it and get degrees and PhDs and make documentaries and write books and promise you this is really the world, so don't look. But I promise you, nobody smarter than me with PhDs will tell you anything deeper than this. Nobody knows shit, B. And that's the truth and the beauty of it, really, though, because we sit here and ponder life on some podcast, though, and write books and think that our legacy will exist in some eternity. But the truth is, man, it's really just you, me, them, and really no one's listening, G. Except us in this moment, in this rotation, you see. But that's the beauty of it, baby. That's the things that I try to share with y'all. See, I use this technology to try to reach out. I ain't worried about AI because really human experience is what it's all about. You can transfer on mind this and some computer and upload it and shit. But, well, this experience is, well, as real as it gets. I don't want immortality. I don't want to see life, you see, because, frankly, that sunset wouldn't mean as much to me. But it does. And I find the beauty in all that, see, so that pain that you're experiencing presently, That's that thing that's going to make you and build you and, well, write that epic journey. That's that thing that will define you, B. So, again, reflect on and open it up. That's that pain. That's that shit that built you up. That's that beauty, that reason you stare out the window two seconds longer. It's the reason you turn up that music two decibels louder. It's the reason you say, I don't give a shit today. It's the reason you say, fuck it, man. I'm just going to smile today. We laugh it off and, well... We look at it as play, but I promise you, it all really has some sort of meaning on your today. So that pain, that agony that you feel that tugs at you today, well, you can climb out of that shit and change your perception and, well, pave your own way. Because we making this shit, right? You building it, right? You writing it, you directing, you producing, you starring in this shit. It's your movie. You direct it to the end of this, see? Because, frankly, we've all been lucky enough just to be born what we define as free. Frankly, it's not as free as we want to be, but at least it ain't the Middle East, right? So we've been lucky enough here, but what made it choose me? Why'd I get put here and not, well, the Middle East? So we'll take it now, and eventually, maybe in our third life, you'll see, it'll be you and me in the desert in the fucking Middle East. (laughs) So enjoy the present and what you presently seek, and forget that pain that you well presently seek, because it can't define you. It's just a part of the chord and the orchestra, the symphony that will make the music that writes the narrative of your soundtrack of this life that is you. And it's created, directed, produced, and written by you, the musician, the first, the second, and the third chair, you see. You're the author, the writer, the editor, and the publisher, G. All of this is you. That's the magic of it, you see. In some odd way, in this one spinning rock in space, orbiting around sun, you and I have some narrative that we get to tell today. Some story, an epic and journey that we can even record through technology. It's some way that we can share it amongst us all. That's the fucking crazy part of it, G. But we do it tonight. I'm doing this whole fucking podcast. And some sort of odd poetry. Some sort of odd thing that was sitting in me when I find a flow state that they talk about. I said, man, I think that's me. Maybe that's you. But again, for some reason, I find it's only pain this beautiful flow state grows. It seems only come from that. But again, I'm referencing your pain that describes your whole life, your whole experience. It's really not that abstract. It's really not off the wall as you think it is. It's really not as authentic and customary as your choices really think it is. Because free will, again, is a social construct enforced on you that you think you're making choices based on something you're supposed to do. But that's too deep for most people, so they don't go there. They sit back and choose politician size and colors and say, man, I got to change my hair. They stay on some surface level, right? They're not ready to visit that. So it's okay, man. Because even me, what I'm talking about, I can't even define all that. It's still theoretical in this existence as we experience, as we write it down and share it in some sort of maleficent manner. 
thinking we are all empress of our own mind and perception, thinking that if we can just change this and then we'll be, if we can just make this happen and then it will be seeking out some sort of legacy, understanding that if I asked you now, you wouldn't even know who was the ninth president be. You don't know, do you? So from there, understand that how famous you really want to be, Michael Jackson soon will just be a memory. Nobody really know him. But at one point, he was the pop artist that everybody knew. Prince was a design that changed his name that nobody will know soon. Everybody disappears in the vapors of this existence, you see. So the more you focus on making some sort of fossil footprint in this earth and this existence, see, the more you actually drive yourself crazy. And when you move beyond that and you can get by the weeds and the things and the theories and the thoughts that really hem you up, that shit that makes you sit back like, fuck, am I Sherlock? Am I trying to decode something that I don't see? Am I using theories to shoot facts, B? Am I doing it right to use facts to shoot my theories? You see, it's all perception, you see. It's something we walk into and create and tell everybody the end of it. Well, that's just my life, you see. But it's still a beauty. We can still share it. Whatever we call knowledge, competence, science, well, we'll sit back, grin, and bear it, won't we? We'll write it down and add it to the histories of time and say he has a PhD. Man, he's a great mind. But those who really experience life perhaps aren't even written down. It's just those memories that go into the vapors of time only to be passed around. In some third, second, or fourth life, something we really don't know. But we read old books and, well, they told us so. So we follow those. It's amazing how we look to the future for development and intelligence, but we look to the past for some sort of growth and development. (laughs) It's an odd shape, really. You don't really know whether to look forward or look back to find the facts, really. (laughs) You can look in the present and say, I see what's before me, but these ancient books told me all about this, see? But the future's telling me all about AI, I'm getting trippy. It's in our DNA. They can duplicate us soon, B. It's getting out of control, right? But that's what they said in Revelations. Read the back of the book, though. (laughs) It's anarchy. It's an anarchy of beliefs intertwined with what we believe reality to be that we all shape in our own creations, saying, fuck you, get out of my proximity. If they challenge our own narrative, see? (laughs) Fuck, it's a beautiful world. Because the truth is, in this class, in this course, there's no right answers. <laughs> there's no degree to get. There's no thing at the end. And there's nobody editing. I mean, there wouldn't be so many books if somebody had it right from the beginning. <laughs> but we read all these topics, right? And say, well, you must know shit. You wrote about it. It's all done. And the truth is nobody knows. And that's the beautiful part, right? So get on board. The next six got to go. Take your ticket and line on up. We'd really get to choose this shit. We were just brought on up. (laughs) But yet we think we control something else. How can you control the end of something when the beginning was birthed without your control? Perhaps a manifestation of arrogance of our conscious control. It's been a good evening. Bad time for me to roll. (laughs) Must be this whole podcast in freestyle, y'all. Ah, shit. I've been wanting to do that for a long time, Patricia. How you doing over there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wanting to do that for a long time. I know it. I liked it. 188 episodes. <laughs> I've been wanting to just <laughs> go off and freestyle and just talk. Yeah, I like to listen to that. We all think about it. That's what I'm saying. Because there's nothing I'm saying nobody out there hasn't thought about. Nobody out there hasn't, at least for a half a second, pondered in a moment, whether you were injured or at the birth of your child, something, right? Where we went. <sighs> and everything I just talked about came by in like some sort of Twilight Zone flash and like this, in like three seconds. I talked for like fucking 30 minutes. But in 30 minutes and three seconds, right? We all yeah. have that time in life where it just goes, you see it and you go, oh, shit. Yeah, I was there right before it exploded. Yeah, at first, that big bang, right, of what our existence is, because we don't choose any of it. No, and I was, you can actually just see it kind of building up in in a a positive way, a really cool way. The sharing, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's such a cool energy. Yeah. It's an energy that I think in today's world with this technology we can share, 
maybe that was like my instinct to like run to go. I'm going live. This is raw as a motherfucker can get. Well, I think it's also think of how many times you and I are just sitting there talking and we go, gosh, I wish we would have recorded that because it was like so powerful. You know, like what you were feeling right away after it happened. It wasn't something that you went got to go sit down and reflect. This is your, there's no reflecting before. It was immediate. Yeah, it was right in. Yeah. Yeah, it was right in with this one. There was no. Yeah, it was. That's you didn't what, even, uh, you didn't even know. I was I just know. like, I'm going. Sure, I'll sit here. <laughs> I had no idea, but I have to say this might have been one of my favorites. Oh, it's kind of you. No, I'm serious. I, when I was listening to you in the beginning, it, you forget who's talking. When you can forget who's talking and it takes you somewhere, it's pretty powerful. Maybe it's not me talking. Like I suggested from Maybe the beginning. So. I don't remember that part. I walked in. <laughs> <laughs> I walked into it, going, "Look, this ain't me. I'm just going." You know, I had. Oh, not, I do remember that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I said, "I'm just raw. I don't know what's coming out here. I'm just, I'm going in and sharing it." You know. Yeah. I think that's. Re- it was really, really powerful. Oh, I don't know what it was. <laughs> it was a trip, but I've wanted to do that. I used to talk about it just for a long time. I'd be like, you know what? I'll I'll do a whole podcast and like a freestyle. I'll just like talk shit. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that'd be funny. Ha ha ha. And for the, I finally sit down and just, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't plan to do that. I know. Well, as a recipient that had no idea what I was going to hear, I was intrigued. It was, it was, pro- it was really powerful. I was intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> I was nervous. I'll well, be honest. Well, I know, but I mean, I, I see you every day, all day, right? So sometimes you can not necessarily anticipate what someone has to say. <laughs> I didn't know. And when you did, I was definitely going, yes, keep talking. You know, what? you know what? I had to get it out. Maybe it connected with somebody. Maybe it didn't, but it was good Absolutely. for me. It was good for you. <laughs> I'm satisfied, yes. I get it. Well, my kid wouldn't do that. He would. He makes friends easily. I get it. I get it. I get it. But this this kid, you know, is worried. So what's the kid do? As they're walking out, the kid's looking for something to relate. Clothes, maybe. Uh, looking for a friendly gesture. But what happens? Maybe he gets a friendly gesture and he makes the turn to it. And then he goes, well, it could be a joke. Maybe it's a setup, right? And as the kid does approach, maybe the kids look like him, maybe they don't. Maybe they talk like him, maybe they don't. The point is, the kid finds safety there if the kids allow him to sit down and they don't trick him, right? But if he's allowed to sit down and he hangs out, well, he's been rewarded with safety, with social acceptance. And in that, it's so powerful that that kid may well think that outfit he was wearing is now the coolest clothes he owns and may well wear that outfit all the time. So much can happen in one little interaction with an environment when we are susceptible to an acceptance of some environment on a social level and on a personal level. That acceptance was survival. Survival for elementary and middle school, high school. But it meant survival long before there were middle schools. Acceptance to a tribe. That social environment, the cultural environment to deny these in pure science and the study of science as being somewhat related or influential in the idea of addiction or mental health and to disregard that and focus solely on your neurological approach and your pill treatment as forms of being the end all to be all, well then, well, I subjectively think you're wrong. I hope you're right. Maybe it is that easy. I really do. But the social impact needs to be focused on the environments need to be accounted for especially in today's time right when god if i if i see another fucking blogger or podcaster that puts out a post about their daily fucking routine 
as if I'm supposed to then copy your daily routine as if it is a one size fits all or some shit. I get it. I, I appreciate some works. Take what works for you. Leave the rest. Right. People are putting it out there. That's good. Well, I think really cultivating cultivating those experiences on your own is a little more beneficial. Uh, biohacking yourself, not necessarily being told what to do, but um, but with so much influence about what your life is supposed to be or be like or what or who you want to be like or should want to look like or what routine you should be doing or how much time you put toward this or that everything is just pushed and then again with what i referenced earlier about the performance based society where we link our performance of things to the value of ourselves right some social construct level then breaks down the human psyche to believe itself to be true about it being worthless and well all in what a pursuit a pursuit for something, a pursuit for a, a checklist, an experience, you say, something someone's told you. I mean, look, I, I still have my bucket list right on my phone that I made a long time ago. And even though I did a show about throw out your list, right? Fuck the list. But I look at it from time to time and I thought, man, money not be an option. I check off this fucking bucket list in four months or so, right? If you really put it down. And, and then what? Then what do you do? Right? There's more trips. There's another bucket list. There's something else. Uh, we continually pursue that achievement, that optimization. Right? I mean, uh, when I wrote this book, I wrote this book for truly those that felt themselves to be at rock bottom, looking for a change, and just so happened to be, yeah. If you just like opening cool ideas about your life and being introspective and analyzing and working through maps and doing behavioral changes, if you like investigating, hey, it happens to breed some optimization at the same time. But this book came for those that were really looking to make that total change, right? That complete change. Now, at the end of that, you can use that overanalyzation to get up, to change, to make massive shifts in your world. But as you do, you have to learn to be able to pull that throttle back, to ease it back, because you're not going to learn all there is to know. There's always more. You know, we, we become addicted to knowledge. We, be, we become a, addicted to experience seeking. We, we, we become addicted to that and we, we, well, it's easy to become ungrateful for the present, for what is, to be modest. Looked up the definition of modest and it led me to humility and then humility led me to the act of being modest. <laughs> sort of a circle, if you will. I posted a video that guy talked about the Einstein theory of happiness. And the story goes that the bellman was there and Einstein did not have cash for a tip. Ooh. Instead, he grabbed a sheet of paper and he wrote the theory of happiness on it and handed it to him and walked away. It was about a uh, modest... The key to happiness is living a modest and humble life. I'm sure you can look that up to get the perfect story, but it turned out that sheet of paper that was written and given to the person, I think, turned around and sold for, I think it was like $1.3 million. So it ended up being a pretty good tip that somebody had written down. And that's just the financial value. And truly, Einstein's theory of happiness is worth looking at. And I studied it, and I kind of was like, man, the modest life, right? This is another subjective notion that we could tackle with Stuart Chase's, right? The tyranny of words of what that modest idea means that leads to happiness. Then I started putting two and two together, you know, about a modest life and then the environment, the environmental impact and social connection. Started looking at my own life about the environment I was in. Was I creating a plan that I'll suffer through for a little while that then will get me to a place under some arrogant flag that I know I'm going to live that long. And I would argue that, well, if I think time is my most valuable possession, then, well, I'm sure not using that time wisely. If I say, well, in five years, then I'll be in 10 years, then I'll be doing that. Then I will be in the environment that then sustains my life. This became the irrational issue that I fucking had. Was <laughs> If the main objective for us here generally speaking, is to live longer, healthier quality of life. If that is the objective, 
I mean, stay alive, right? Keep your kids alive, right? If that is the objective, where do we rationalize the idea of suffering under something in some environment that does not make us happy, knowing it does a physiological destruction, a mental destruction, spiritual destruction for many too, when we know it does these destructions, what good? And if we know, if I asked you randomly on a, a calm day, hey, do you think time is a valuable resource? Yeah, it's the most valuable resource. You know it. But yet the philosophy we live, right? Where do we find the rationalization to say then, I'm going to sacrifice these multiple years to live this life then? Good planning. The inevitable, right? That's just how it is. Now, the issue comes is then you're sold through bloggers and websites and everything else, right? And videos you watch, right? To achieve, right? To optimize, to live life like it's your first day or your last day is worse advice, right? But to go out there and keep achieving and experience and move and go and go and go. And then you're pushed and we have a rise of anxiety. We're driving all the way and look what I achieved. We're filling up in some manner our ego balloon as we float across our performances, defining ourselves, declaring value, and for some it works, for some it doesn't, right? I don't want to try to pinhole, right, this idea. But I'm questioning my own life of that idea and the key to this being the happiness, if you will, the modest lifestyle, right, the modest environment and mixing those two. So I thought about what environment, if that's the objective, what environment is good for me, right, that's nature, that's it's healing me, helping me, what's active, keeping me moving, what do I like to be around, right, where do I connect with, And why am I not in that environment if the main goal really is to sustain life longer? How long is the sacrifice worth in the end, especially if we don't know when our most valuable resource runs out? So for me, I'm not up here telling you if you're living in that shitty environment or if you've made that deal with the devil that, hey, it's what I have to do. I got kids. I get it. Life is there. You got bills, mortgages, shit, right? I get it. So that's why I've kind of argued with these people that have told you, hey, follow your dreams, fucking sell everything and go live and chase your dreams because you could die tomorrow. Okay, bro. Easy, homie. Easy. I'm not declaring that. But what I am asking you is to entertain the environment that which you do live in, that you operate this job in. And the one that you may keep saying that I'll get to one day. And when I get there, once I'm there, then I will live this way. What would be the most modest environment and daily activity for you to be in that is the healthy environment for you at the same time? It doesn't require a sacrifice of time to get to that lifestyle. You'll find that what you end up having to question is what you call your standard of living or your quality of life. Many other subjective notions I could hear George Carlin tearing those apart now is when you begin to ask, well, what's my standard of life? What's my standard of living? Do I like this size home? Do I like these uh, luxuries? I like to enjoy this. If these are the things I like, well, then the income is based on this. This is where our judgment becomes. But Is that the modest or is that something we've been sold back to the constructs, back to the environmental influence, the cultural fitting in? Where does that stop? And again, if you continue to question and question, this is where you will find yourself is full throttle in the red, wondering how you find some peace and quiet. And for me, that transition is coming. I've actively began to seek to get myself to that modest environment in place as quickly as I possibly can, which is partly some of those changes that are coming next year. Hope you're taking care of you. Hope you're living your cognitive rampage. If you hear about the opiate epidemic, just engage with somebody and say, hey, let's talk. It's not about vilifying the pills or those that use it. Lay out some of the facts I talked about today, about the ideas of diseases. Lay out the notion that truly about 75 to 85% of people, quoting Dr. Carl Hart here, you know, the guy at Columbia that trains the psychiatrists that give the pills. Most people that use methamphetamine or other drugs live their lives just fine. They modulate their mood somewhat subjective to others of what that healthy means. But they're you and me that operate every day. 
ridiculed by those by calling self-medication, even though we all modulate our mood in some way, some fashion. There's no holier than now when it comes to AKA, yeah, but they self-medicate. When really 10 to 15% are those that are truly affected, those are the people you see on intervention. Those are the people that you may know linked to your family or you may be, may have been defined as, but you are not. We can't vilify the people. We can't vilify the drugs. We have to look at the process to which we can help people and look beyond the chemical approaches and so-called scientific approaches. Although I'm a fan, we need the research. We have to expand and look more toward the social environments and impacts of not being socially connected, of the environmental influences all the way down. Addiction is a symptom, not a disease. Love you.